I have faith in Mike Vrabel as a defensive coach, and I think he's going to do wonders with Jadavia and Clowney. But I think on the offensive side of the ball, they're going to rely too much on Derrick Henry. And there's only so many touches that a running back can get in a season before he starts to deteriorate in terms of production. They're going to be a great regular season team, right? Because Lamar Jackson's already a top two NFL player. And the question is, can he adapt to defensive schemes that take away his primary receiving threats a la Tennessee from last playoffs? Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Locked In Podcast. My name is Ani. My name is Shree. Boy, oh boy, do we got a great episode today for y'all. We are doing our NFL preview AFC time right before the AFC's first matchup, Texans versus the Kansas City Chiefs defending Super Bowl champs on Thursday Night Football. We're just going to be rolling through all these teams, giving you a little preview, some outlooks for all of these teams heading into the season, and Ani has some some record projections he has on tap, so we'll just be giving you all of that information, getting you hyped for football, fantasy football, whatever you're thinking of, so we'll just get right into it. Yeah, let's start with the AFC, and let's go with the AFC West, because both of our favorite teams are in the AFC West. Your newly minted Las Vegas Raiders and their newly minted stadium, Allegiant Stadium, and my Los Angeles Chargers their newly minted stadium, SoFi Stadium, that they're sharing with the Rams. The Rams and Chargers have been on Hard Knocks Los Angeles. If you guys haven't caught that, check that out. It's actually been super great. Nice to see some recognition on my team. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and dive in with the AFC West. And I guess we're going to start with the defending Super Bowl champions because it just seems right. The Kansas City Chiefs, they seem to be doing everything right on both sides of the ball. They, their draft was pretty good. They had a really good first round pick late in the first round. Obviously, defending Super Bowl champions with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from LSU. I've seen him play in real life. He's so good, and he's going to be such an addition to that Chiefs offense. And they're defending champs, and I don't think anyone can stop them in their division. They will easily clinch that division. I think they're going to clinch at least the number two seed in the AFC. Yeah, if not for Baltimore, I would say the Chiefs would be outright AFC favorites, but you know, regular season Baltimore is a completely different animal. So we'll see how Kansas City plays out in the top of the standings. I think the only issue they really have is like health. Because last year, I know Hill and Mahomes missed some key time, which I, I don't know. Some people were concerned about heading into the playoffs, but obviously things turned out great for them. But yeah, I you, you pretty much covered everything I had in the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Chiefs is they don't need to be 100% to win the division. They don't need to be 100% to make the playoffs. They don't need to be 100% to win the Super Bowl. There is that good of a team and they're stacked. I think one thing that's pretty key is they've kept almost everyone on their team the same. They haven't had too many huge additions or subtractions, which is really good for a time like this because, you know, the training camp has been limited. There have been no preseason games. So really, as good as your team is, you need to make sure that it gels together. And honestly, the closer your roster is to last season as it is to this season, the easier it will be for you. So I feel really bad for any new head coaches or new assistant coaches that are coming into the league because you know, to adapt in week one, essentially week one is kind of like a preseason game for a lot of teams feeling stuff out. They haven't really had much time against other teams, if any time at all. So Yeah, you mentioned that you know they retain most of their roster. I know Damian Williams is sitting out this season and he was pretty crucial in the playoffs in that Super Bowl. So I know he's not like a big household name or one of those like superstar players, but I think Kansas City will be fine even with his loss. But another AFC West team that recently just suffered a huge loss is the Denver Broncos. And that is Von Miller, who is now out for the season more than likely with an ankle tendon injury. So Ani, I know the Broncos were looking really like Drew Locke and Cortland Sutton blossoming into a star. They just drafted Jerry Judy, which I'm kind of upset about because I low-key wanted the Raiders to take him. Uh, wide receiver from Alabama, super Henry speedy. Henry Ruggs, baby. Henry Ruggs. Well, I'll get to Ruggs later. I really like him too. But talk, talk to me about the Miller loss. Like, what is what does that mean for a defense that's so reliant on his, you know, his uh, otherworldly talents? Yeah, his production has been off the charts. He's made six straight Pro Bowls, eight Pro Bowls overall, and this is a second significant injury coming back from his 2013 season in which he tore his ACL. So it is quite a big loss because. We love pass rushing duos in the NFL, and we have one of the premier ones in the same division with the Chargers, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. And people are looking towards the Broncos to be the other premier pass rushing attack in the AFC and in the overall NFL with Von Miller, feared by everyone, and of course, uh, Nick Chubb, or Bradley Chubb. Which one? Nick Chubb? Bradley Chubb? Bradley Chubb. Okay. 
Bradley Chubb. Nick Chubb is the running back for the Browns. I always forget them. Bradley Chubb. Yeah. And Bradley Chubb only played two games last season. So we were, you know, finally looking forward to seeing both those guys on the field at the same time, really giving it their all. But sadly, that's not going to happen. And I feel bad because I think the Broncos are an up and coming team. Their offense is super young. As you said, they got Drew Locke, who, you know, showed last season he has some potential. Cortland Sutton uh, running the ball. They have Philip Lindsay, who I think is great. So really, we'll see what happens. I think worst case scenario, their defense is around the same as last year because they're still going to have some pass rushing with Bradley Chubb. Um, it's not like their pass rushing is completely gone. That's the advantage of having two premier pass rushers, right? Right. I mean, that Jerry Judy pick on, on the offensive side of the ball is really going to help Drew Locke because Jerry Judy is just one of the most polished route runners to, to become drafted all that time he spent in Alabama. So we'll see if, if Drew Locke takes advantage of that, but... So is is the NFL expanding their playoffs? Like, are they adding a wild card team? I don't believe so. Because I was gonna say, like, if they if they were adding maybe like an extra spot, then I would consider Denver to be one of those challengers for a wild card team. But I mean, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what's going on in the season or the you know the playoff schedule. Oh no, yeah, wait, they did expand to fourteen teams. So I think yeah. Denver Denver realistically could challenge for one of those last wild card spots. They could. They definitely could. Uh, wait, this was reported back in March thir- March 31st, 2020. That's why, because it seems like so long ago. I know, man. Uh, okay, they added two wildcard spots. There's going to be three wildcard spots in the NFC, three in the AFC. So for a total of seven playoff teams per conference. So the six wildcard games will be played back-to-back triple headers during wildcard weekend. And then, oh yeah, so only the number one seed is going to get a bye. So I think that's good. More, more games, good for, more games for us, too. Um, okay, let's move on to Raiders or Chargers. What do you want to do first? Let's do the Raiders. All right, I'm going to go a little more in-depth into the Raiders just because I've been following their offseason pretty carefully. And, of course, they still have one of the best offensive lines in football with Rodney Hudson, Richie Incognito, Trent Brown, Colton Miller's been improving. So I know that their run game will be good, especially with Josh Jacobs, who you just told me you drafted 10th in your fantasy league. So, you know... Good, good on him for slowly becoming that household name. Carr had really good numbers last year with limited offensive weapons to work with. So I think now with the draft of Henry Ruggs III, with Darren Waller's continued development as one of the best tight ends in the league, they got Brian Edwards, they have Josh Jacobs, Hunter Renfro, who is one of the most underrated players in football, and Zay Jones came in from Buffalo. And I know he didn't get like statistically the best season last year, but I think he's going to help spread out their passing offense. So I'm pretty excited for Carr, and I think this is going to be a bounce back season. We're going to see kind of that 2016 MVP type Carr in a new city, new stadium. No pressure really from fans. I know he was booed a lot in the Coliseum when he wasn't playing well, but I'm excited for that. And the defense, we're getting Jonathan Abram back. Super hard hitting safety last year injured i think after the second or third game but he was already becoming a fan favorite and we drafted damon arnett from ohio state and i think he has huge upside he's one of those boomer bust players for me but i believe in him and you know max crosby mad max he is pro bowl caliber all pro caliber i i I like the defense i like what we've done i like the draft of amic robertson from lsu so i don't know man 10 and 6 is possible but Seven and nine is two, so I, I I'm I'm going for the optimistic ten and six season. You did not like that Arnett pick from OSU because we were doing the live draft and you were because uh, granted there were a lot better players left on the board. I think right. I mean there were you watch his highlights and it, it's very obvious what he can do on the defensive side. So it, it's just a matter of consistency, and that's always been an issue for Raider cornerbacks. But yeah, I mean I, I think this Raiders team can go far. The question is, will they go far? Uh, a, a big question mark with the Raiders has been, and I think will continue to be for a while, is consistency. And it's like they have the talent, but can they capitalize on that talent? But it seems like they have a good roster going forward. And I think they're actually in a pretty good place compared to where they were a few years ago because they have their future in check with regards to their stadium and the state of their franchise. Mm-hmm. And they have a coach signed for the long term. So I think with those two things out of the way, the distractions are limited for them. And I think they can actually put this roster to good use. But we'll see. Let's talk about the Chargers because I think you have a lot to say about some of the key players who are now out for the season. I don't have a lot to say because 
I just don't want to talk about it. But uh, Derwin James, uh, possibly one of the best defensive players in the NFL, is now out uh, with the with the leg injury, with the knee injury, with the torn meniscus. I just bought his jersey too, so it's just like, of course, right? Um, and he's super young, and he was injured most of last season. He was really good as a rookie, and he really allowed the Chargers to play some interesting defensive matchups. We uh, remember that game against Baltimore where they basically had like, like their three rushing or four rushers and everybody else was essentially a safety or quarterback. So that was crazy. The, the Chargers can't do that anymore. And I think the biggest question mark for the Chargers is on the offensive side of the ball. I feel even with the loss of Derwin James that the Chargers are a top 10 defense in the league. And, you know, we have a great, great defensive league, um, defense defensively minded head coach with Anthony Lynn. So I think he's going to do a really good job with the roster, with the talent or linebacker depth is actually pretty decent this year. Uh, but I think on the offensive side of the ball, we did revamp our offensive line, which has always been a problem for the Chargers, especially when Phillip Rivers was a quarterback. But again, Phillip Rivers isn't quarterback. So we have two potential quarterbacks, Justin Herbert from Oregon, who me and you saw and aren't aren't that high on. Uh, but That's an understatement. You know, yeah, that's an understatement. But some people we've talked to, uh, for example, recent podcast guest, AJ, uh, she... Uh, it was is the sideline reporter for uh, all teams in Portland. She covered Justin Herbert in Oregon, and she was really high on him. So it was everyone from that Oregon football program, everyone in the state of Oregon loves him. So that's good news. And he's looked pretty good on hard knocks. And obviously Tyrod Taylor, uh, he's going to be the starting quarterback. We'll see how he's going to do. He's a really big question mark for me. But also, on the running side of the ball, we lost Melvin Gordon. We still mm-hmm. do have Austin Eckler. He's going to be our number one feature back. I love Austin Eckler. I love his story basically came from like a school that nobody even knows about. And the fact that he's in the NFL and is a starting running back for a team is crazy. He also streams on Twitch, which is pretty cool. Uh, but like, can Austin Eckler be the number one back for a football team is my question. I think he was a great number two back and he caught really well out of the backfield. But I mean, J- Justin Jackson is a number two feature back and he played pretty well in a few games last year, especially towards the end of the year. So we'll see. But I mean, m- the biggest thing is, the, the Chargers re-signed Keaton Allen for a long-term deal. They also re-signed Joey Bosa for a long-term deal. Both those players are some of the top of their position. Top 10 for Keaton Allen, top 5 for Joey Bosa. Will the Chargers utilize these players and you know utilize their roster? Or will they waste these players' potentials and waste all the money they're going for? I don't have that much faith in the Chargers. but Well, I like the Eckler. I like that he's now in a more prominent role, right? Because... With Melvin Gordon, he was like a very good pass catching back. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I think Eckler replaces that pretty well because I he can definitely play out of the backfield either as like your zone running back who can find those like little like creases for four or five yards, or he can just act as like a fifth receiver on the field if absolutely needed. So I think he gives you that versatility on offense, which is huge when you lose someone as good as Melvin Gordon. But for me, the, the, the question has always been like Tara Taylor. Like, I don't think he's going to be bad. Like, you guys will not be a bad football team with him as your quarterback. And I think I've said this on a podcast way back, but you're, you're just going to be around that 500 mark pretty much the whole season. But I just don't think there's like that high upside potential unless you go with Herbert. Yeah, so I totally agree with you on that. And so I, I did some predictions for the entire NFL. So I have winners and losses of each, of each game so i predicted the the you know the, the final record so i think the the kansas city chiefs are going to go 15 and 1 i honestly think their last loss might come in week 17 against the chargers uh, i think the chargers definitely honestly have the the chiefs number based on what happened last season towards the end that are i guess two seasons ago or last season when we beat the, the the chiefs in kansas city i think that was two seasons ago yeah Two seasons ago, we beat Kansas City in Kansas City, and that was pretty great. So I don't know, especially because if, if the Chiefs are, you know, fifteen and zero, they might just rest Mahomes, and it might be a win for the for the Chargers. I'm not sure about that one. That's you what know, I was gonna say. Some... If you're if the Chiefs are sixteen and or like if they're fifteen and zero, there's no way in hell they're playing Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey weeks like week seventeen. There's no chance. So yeah, I mean, so you never know. But they also have a couple of tough games. They have a game at Tampa Bay. They have a game against New Orleans. So those games are pretty tough, but I still think they're going to go at least fourteen and two, possibly fifteen and one. I think the Denver Broncos are going to go seven and nine. I think honestly that's a bit optimistic for the Broncos now, considering that Von Miller could be out the entire year. But I still think that they have a pretty decent roster, and if they can put that together, they can string some wins. I think they're going to win at least once against the Chargers. They have some some easy ish games, I'd say. So we'll see what happens. 
but I think the Chargers are going to go seven and nine. I don't have much faith in them. I think seven and nine or eight and eight is pretty realistic, especially depending on if they decide to put Herbert in or not. I think if they put Herbert in, that might drop because I don't expect a rookie quarterback. I don't think the Chargers front office expects a rookie quarterback either to be on the same trajectory as someone like Tyrod Taylor. So. Right. And I think the Oakland Raiders or not <laughs> Las Vegas Raiders. No, it's okay. You can you can call them Oakland. It's fine. Are, are probably going to go eight and eight. They have a couple of easy easy um, uh, opponents. They're playing Miami. They're playing the New York Jets. So I'm going to tell you. Obvi- I'm going to tell you one thing right now. For the Raiders, there is no such thing as an easy opponent. Like we we don't play up to opponents. We don't play down to opponents. It's just luck. Like you you just don't know on a week to week basis. And I think yeah. that's the moral of this season. Get some consistency. So you, those Miami teams are considered easy opponents. You know, like those those Jacksonville teams are winnable games. So well, I mean they they have some tough games. They're they're, they're playing New Orleans. They're going to New England. They're playing Buffalo. They're playing Kansas City twice. They're playing Tampa Bay. They're playing Indiana, who I'm pretty high on. So they have a pretty tough schedule. So honestly, if they eke out an eight and eight or even nine and seven record, that'd be pretty impressive. They're playing some of the top talent in the league. So I'm expecting a chase for one of the wild card spots with either Denver or Oakland. I think Denver's roster, I would say, is slightly more talented from the offensive standpoint. But I think the Raiders' defense has shored up some holes, and they're pretty on par with Denver, and especially after this Von Miller loss. So. We'll see how the records go in the AFC West. I, I like the division. I think it's going to be really fun, really competitive this year. But let's talk about the AFC South because there's a lot of offseason trades that happen with some of these teams. We'll start with the Texans. And Deshaun Watson just got paid. Like I think he got $40 million a year for four years. So we're, we're seeing NBA-type money being given out to some of these NFL players. And I love it. I'm all for these NFL players getting paid to just beat each other up week after week. It's great. But... The Texans' offensive core is Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, and David Johnson, which on paper sounds nice, right? Brandon Cooks has proven himself to be a capable 1,000 to 1,100-yard receiver year after year. Will Fuller, great when healthy, but again, the best skill is availability, and he hasn't shown that in the course of his career. And David Johnson is one of those, can he recapture his prime type numbers for one season to you know vault the Texans offense to something that's just good to something that could potentially be great and all of this is just offsetting the DeAndre Hopkins loss which is huge for this Texans team I made the prediction earlier that Watson is going to diversify his his throwing and his ability as a QB because I thought he was a little too reliant on Hopkins. And you can argue that, yeah, if you have a number one receiver with the talent of Hopkins, of course you're going to be reliant on him. But I think he's going to use the field better. He's going to make reads that he normally doesn't. And I don't know. The Texans are interesting. Texans are interesting. I think, obviously, I'm glad Deshaun Watson got paid. He's one of the top talents in the league. Love his play style and love his tenacity. That play against the Raiders when he got kicked in the eye and still managed to to, to shoot down the touchdown pass, amazing. Don't remind me. But I think, <laughs> I think the Texans are a big question mark, as you said. Can David Johnson step up is the big question mark. Another big question mark is can Braden Cook stay healthy? He's listed as questionable right now for the first game. And it, if he doesn't play, you got Will Fuller, who I think is a favorite of Deshaun Watson. You also got Randall Cobb, who we know from his many years in Green Bay. And we know that he can catch passes from a, an all-star quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. So we'll see if he decides to step up. Uh, A big question for me is their offensive line. Can their offensive line hold up? All five starters are returning, which is good. But at the same time, the Texans don't have the greatest track record with keeping Deshaun Watson safe. And I think the biggest issue with the Texans is their coaching. I do not think Bill O'Brien is a good coach. And I think he's proven time and time again that he's not. I think the biggest thing, like, it just, you were up so much against the Chiefs and you lost. Like, that's the like granted it's it's the Chiefs, it's one of the you know best teams in the league, but still that, that playoff loss is gonna haunt this team. So I don't have too much faith in them, but I don't know, we'll see. I have a question about their defense too, because I know their their cornerbacks were it was a sore spot for them last season. They went out and traded for Gary on Conley, a former Oakland Raider, or should I say Las Vegas Raider, and he played around like four hundred snaps for them. I have I, it was somewhere around four hundred. And the, his strength is like press man coverage, which is pretty much where you blanket wide receivers and leave 
like marginal space to make catches. So it's almost man to man, but you're kind of in a zone. So he had great numbers from pro football reference in in that specific coverage press man but as a individual lockdown corner he's gonna have to step it up because i think he has that upside to be one of like the better corners in the league but it it, it, i think it's about the defense because we know deshaun watson is going to manufacture points for this team yeah no you're right i think the defense was the biggest part of that loss against kansas city i mean granted they weren't able to put up the offensive points after that stellar first half they had but still, I think if they were able to stop Kansas City on defense, it wouldn't have been that, you know, that way. But I do agree with you. The the question with the Texans is definitely the biggest question. And I kept on saying on offense, because, you know, with the Texans, with Deshaun Watson, you want to focus on the offense side of the ball. On the defensive side of the mm-hmm. ball, they do have an anchor with J.J. Watt. But still, one player, however dominant, is not good enough. We've learned that with Aaron Donald. We've learned that with J.J. Watt. Mm-hmm. There's not one player that can ever be dominant on the defense side of the ball, so much so that just can literally control the game people come close jj watt has come close in the past and i think right now aaron donald is one of those players that has come close and you see it on some other teams maybe even someone like i'll throw, uh, Khal- I'll throw khalil mack into that mix yeah khalil mack mainly pass rushers that can disrupt but even safeties like jamal adams you never know mm-hmm. but still it's gonna be difficult for this texans team yeah all right let's talk colts um let's move through this we have your man philip rivers who's going to be a starting quarterback for this team and Although Jacoby Brissett was pretty unspectacular last season, he didn't turn the ball over while he was healthy. I think he had like 18 touchdowns to six interceptions, which is all things considered. If you extend that for a full season, that's a very good touchdown interception ratio. And the thing is, despite Rivers' obvious upside over someone like Brissett, he's consistently throughout his career been plagued by the interception. So I like I, I think it's a good move to upgrade the quarterback position to a future Hall of Famer like Philip Rivers, but the, the the turnovers are just something that I'm worried about. The Colts are my dark horse AFC team. I have a lot of faith in the Colts, and I think the reason why is their stellar offensive line. Their offensive line is the best in the NFL, hands down. They did lose two key backups, but still, their starting five remains. Quinton Nelson anchoring the offensive line, amazing. And there's one thing Philip Rivers has never had in his entire career as an NFL player, and it is a decent offensive line. Not even a good, just a decent offensive line. Phillip Rivers has time and time and time again struggled, especially in the last five minutes of the game, with a good offensive line to protect him. When his team is down or the game is tied, he always has to avoid these crazy pass rushers because their offensive line is so tired, and that's why I personally think he ends up throwing a lot of interceptions. It's because his offensive line was just garbage. So I personally think that with this really good offensive line, and you know the receiving core isn't great, but you still do have T. Y. Hilton. Mm-hmm. I think that Philip Rivers is really going to shine. And you also have someone in the backfield. You have two really competent running backs. You have Marlon Mack, and you have Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin. I think Taylor's going to take that spot for Marlon Mack. Not to say Marlon Mack isn't a bad back, but you know, watching Jonathan Taylor in college at Wisconsin, he rushed through people like it was nothing. So I think he's going to go off. And on the defensive side, they did get to Forrest Buckner. Exactly. So, really, really good pickup. I am honestly really high on this Indianapolis Colts team. I am excited that Phillip Rivers gets a chance. Maybe the receivers aren't the greatest, but his offensive line is the greatest. And I think Phillip Rivers can definitely put up some numbers in, in, in Indianapolis. So. Yeah, I was just going to say, lost in all the, the NFL offseason chaos. Like, the DeForest Buckner pickup was sneaky. Like, not that many people talked about it, but, you know, another Pro Bowl level defensive tackle for the Colts. So. You're right. I definitely think they have that dark horse potential. Yeah, they also got, you know, Leonard, Darius Leonard. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be really happy that he has DeForest Buckner there because he's kind of doing all the work the past two years. So. No, they'll anchor that defensive line. The Colts will be good. They'll be stingy in every game. I don't think they're going to be blown out too much ever. But yeah, plus Justin Houston, Xavier Rhodes, a really, really good team. And Malik Hooker, so mm-hmm. a really, really good team. Yep, the Colts look nice, but the Jaguars do not because... Aside from Gardner Minshew and DJ Chark, the Jags are pretty depressing. The 2018 AFC title game was probably the Jaguars' crowning achievement in the last 20 years. And from that team, here are the people who are gone or on different teams. Jalen Ramsey, AJ Boye, Calais Campbell, Malik Jackson, and Yannick Ngakwe. They're all gone. And you can throw in Blake, Leonard Fournette. And Blake Bortles and Leonard Fournette. So, I mean, 
that Bortles, no one really cares that he's gone, but that's five to six top 15 skilled players at their position gone from two seasons ago. Man, this Jacksonville Jaguars team was so stacked, and they thought they did such a good job with getting this talent and nurturing this talent, and they really did for a certain portion, but the funniest thing to me is whenever anybody leaves the Jaguars, they're so happy about it, and publicly, they'll say on Twitter, I'm so glad to be leaving Jacksonville, because people that go to Jacksonville literally hate being there. Not the actual city of Jacksonville, which I'm sure is okay, but it's mainly the organization that's doing a terrible job. So people are happy to leave such a toxic organization. And so many people have left and so many people are happy. And we've seen players blossom out of Jacksonville. Jalen Ramsey now signing a huge deal with the Rams. And he's so happy. He's in LA. He was on Hard Knock shopping for a house. Super nice. Got this nice house. He's super happy, man. And honestly, like, I don't blame him. He's leaving Jacksonville. So you got to celebrate. It's like when the Lakers traded away Kwame Brown. <laughs> greatest day in franchise history. Forget drafting Kobe Bryant, you know, that was the greatest day in franchise history. So they got Paul Gasol from that. That's yeah. one of the best trades of all time. From that trade. But you know, similar vibes in a sense. I think whenever anybody leaves <laughs> look letter for net, man, he left Jacksonville to go to Tampa Bay. Same state, no taxes, but gets to play with Tom Brady. Great, great, great decision for him. So I'm really glad for him because I think he's really, really talented. In the words of Endgame Hulk, I see this as an absolute win for him. Yeah. So good good for Leonard Fournette. But all these teams still got to deal with the Tennessee Titans because they just picked up Jadavian Clowney, which is huge for that defense. Because you, we, a lot of people talked about the offense and how can Tannehill continue that torrid pace he was on for the second half of last season. I know in the playoffs he kind of regressed or... I won't even say regress, but he didn't throw as much just because of how insane Derrick Henry was. Tannehill just did not need to be a focal point on offense. But now, I think they need to mix in more play action into their offense to kind of keep defenses off balance. Because if teams just know Derrick Henry is going to run almost every single play, they're just going to load up the box. It's going to be, he's going to churn for those like two and a half yards, three yards. It's just going to be a very long season. And I don't know if that's going to prove costly later on when they're fighting for playoff position and the season's grind is like catching up with everyone and fatigue sets in so i'm looking at aj brown like this should be your season he had a terrific rookie year a thousand yards can he be that like 1200 yard guy can he be one of those like upper tier receivers in the league i think the tennessee titans will make the playoffs i don't think they'll go far i think the biggest reason is that they're still going to depend too much on derrick henry I have faith in Mike Vrabel as a defensive coach, and I think he's going to do wonders with Jadavian Clowney. But I think on the offensive side of the ball, they're going to rely too much on Derrick Henry. And there's only so many touches that a running back can get in a season before he starts to deteriorate in terms of production. And I think last season, they really utilized him, maybe even overutilized him in a certain sense. In some of those games, he literally brought the Titans back. So I think in this situation, they're going to overutilize him. I don't have that much faith in the Tennessee Titans on offense other than Derrick Henry. We'll see if A.J. Brown decides to show up. Uh, but I think they're going to go to the playoffs but not do well because everyone on their offensive line and Derrick Henry are going to be so tired. Yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a long season. Like I'm not particularly excited about watching Titans games aside from Derrick Henry because as great as Tannehill was last year, he's just not a very exciting player. But, you know, they're just good across all fronts. Like they have... At least now their defense has been shored up. They have a relatively good offense and, you know, they'll be good. They're just one of those teams that'll be good. They'll be like this year's Oklahoma City Thunder. But yeah, let's I have a sorry. I have, so I have the Indianapolis Colts going 12 and four. Wow. Have them losing four games. 12 and have, four. They have a couple of really easy. I mean, they're playing Chicago, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Detroit, um, Jacksonville twice, Pittsburgh. Are we sure so, Chicago's going to be bad? I think they're going to be terrible. I'll, I'll get into that later. Um, I think they're going to lose four games. I think they're going to lose Baltimore. They're going to lose Green Bay. They'll lose one to Tennessee and one to the Texans because these division rivalries are always you know unpredictable. I think they'll go 12-4. and four. I think they actually have a really favorable schedule. So, yeah, I mean, their first few games are playing Jacksonville, Minnesota, who uh, just lost Daniel Hunter. So I think the, the pressure will definitely not be there. I think, you know, uh, Philip Rivers can can win that game. The Jets, Chicago, yeah, I think they have a pretty favorable schedule. Honestly, I think 
they'll definitely go at least 10 and 6. But I think 12 and 4 is optimistic, but I think doable. I think the Jaguars are going to go 2 and 14. No faith in them at all. But, mm-hmm. you know, why should anyone have faith in them? I think the Texans are going to go 10 and 6. They have a couple of easy games. They're playing Jacksonville twice, Detroit, Chicago, Cleveland, Cincinnati. So they have a couple of tough games as well. They're playing Green Bay. They're playing. Uh, obviously, the first two games are really difficult for them. I think two losses easily, Kansas City and Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that the Houston Texans aren't good. It's just those teams are so much better. Uh, but you never know. And I have the Tennessee Titans at 10-6. and six, So yeah. we'll see. I, I think it's going to be a two-team race for this division between Houston and Tennessee. I think the Colts are like... I think you're putting a little too much faith into the Colts. I think they'll be... I am. They'll I'm, be- I'm buying Colt stock hard right now because I think it's going to like reap dividends. We'll see. I think it just depends on Philip Rivers and his health because, you know, he's getting up there in age. And if, uh, I mean, knock on wood, I hope nothing happens to their offensive line. But Philip Rivers has just had really terrible luck with his O-line. So uh, that's just going to be critical to watch. But, yeah, that division is good except for Jacksonville. Let's move to one of the more interesting divisions now after the draft, and that's the AFC North. We'll start with the Bengals just because they had the number one overall pick and took Joe Burrow. Now with AJ Green back, I think Burrow instantly has an upper tier receiver to help him out in his first season. I want to I want to pose the question because I really don't have too much on the Bengals. I don't think they'll be good, but I think they'll be interesting and fun to watch. With a couple more seasons of elite production, is AJ Green a future Hall of Famer? I think so. He has really been consistent when he hasn't been injured. For the Bengals, and when Andy Dalton was there, him and like AJ Green was a perennial Pro Bowl receiver. Every single year, he expects them to make the Pro Bowl, so he was really good. I think with some more production, he might get up there in terms of the yardage list. Not going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, I don't think so. Um, he's not one of those transcendent wide receivers, but I think he was really, really good for a lot of his career. I think he's one of those Hall of Famers the same way in the NBA. Joe Johnson is probably going to make the Hall of Fame. Like he's just one of those really good players didn't necessarily contribute too much to winning as the Bengals, you know, consistently got bounced either in the first round of the playoffs or just didn't make it. But he was he was a special talent. And I don't know. I, I Yeah, you're right. I think he's going to be a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. Uh, they have Joe Mixon on offense too, but I don't know. I don't have too much faith. I've had them going 3-13, so it's yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk Browns because... Odell's been in the news lately for many reasons. We're not going to talk about that. This is a family-friendly podcast, so we keep the Odell jokes aside for now. But Kevin Stefanski is their new head coach, and I think this is going to help Baker Mayfield because Mayfield's one of those guys who he lets the play develop, but when the play breaks, he just kind of improvs and does whatever the hell he wants, and that usually ends up in either a spectacular play or a turnover with the new head coach, I think there's going to be more play action in their new offense, which should help Baker kind of settle down. And I think he's going to start making smarter reads this season. Like we all saw the talent with Baker, his first, his rookie year. And, you know, last season, I think was just a, a case of too much expectation being placed on a Browns team that just wasn't ready to compete yet. And, you know, in the off season, yeah, Miles Garrett was in the news last season for smacking Mason Rudolph in the head with a helmet, but he got $100 million in guaranteed money, which is the most for a defensive player ever. And I thought it was well-deserved purely from an on-field performance and game-to-game impact that Garrett provides. Like, he's a very special defensive player. So I think they made the right moves. I think getting rid of Freddie Kitchens is an automatic plus-three win boost. So I, I have faith. I'm buying Brown stock this year. I'm not. I never will because it's the Browns. Uh just, I think, rule of expectations is you can never buy the Brown stock. Uh, I, I think Baker Mayfield will improve slightly, but not too much. I don't think he has too much to go. I think he's pretty close to where he is. And although, yeah, losing Freddie Kitchens is a plus, this is also Baker's fourth head coach in three years. And for me, the biggest reason why I don't think the Browns perform this year specifically is because of all this preseason and offseason stuff. They haven't had time to work on their offense as well as they could have with four preseason games. They haven't had time to flush things out, you know, with a new head coach. <laughs> that wasn't even a joke, man. That was just... Yeah, they, they haven't had time to, to, to run things out. So really, I, I think it's going to be really difficult for, for this Browns team 
to to adapt to this new coaching style. I'm not sure how radical it will be because of this offseason, but we'll see. I think they did some good moves. They also got Kareem Hunt for a pretty cheap deal, so now they have two good running backs mm-hmm. uh, to, to back up Baker. Um, and, you know, Miles Garrett is always good. Good to pay him, good to lock him in. I still don't think that they're going to do super well. I think they're going to go 5-11, and 11, but... They're like a. They could either go five and eleven or they could go ten and six. We just don't know. I think they're more of a ten and six team than a five and eleven team. If anything, at worst, I think they'll finish eight and eight. But I, I believe in the Browns. I like them. Another team I believe in this year is the Pittsburgh Steelers because the prodigal son, Big Ben, has returned. The Big Mac loving, burger eating Ben Roethlisberger is back. I think the offense is going to experience a tremendous upgrade solely from Ben's return. Because, you know, Mason Rudolph and the legend Duck Hodges played quarterback for the Steelers last year. So anything inspires more confidence than those two names. They also picked up Eric Ebron. And the tight end position is thin on names. Like, once you get past Kittle, Kelsey, and Waller, it becomes very tough to find, like, very top-tier tight ends. And Eric Ebron... respect on Hunter Henry's name, dude. Put some respect on Hunter Henry's name. That's all I have to say. He's really good. He is good. All right, fine. Hunter Henry's good too. But Eric I think Ebron Eric is Ebron is better. And I think he's one of the best tight ends in the league. That's a huge addition for this team and gives the Steelers pretty much a five wide receiver look at times because I think he can be flexed all over the field. He's definitely going to be a sleeper fantasy option this year too. I think he's going to get a ton of touches from Big Ben. He's going to have a huge statistical year. So I really like what they did. Yeah, my, my issue with the the Steelers is honestly just how ready is Big Ben? Because Big Ben even said he's nervous for, for week one and they have no preseason, which I keep on mentioning, but I think it's important. So he really has to get back into the groove of it right away. I think they have a lot of difficult matchups. They're playing Tennessee. They're playing Baltimore twice. They play Dallas. They play Buffalo. They have some difficult matchups. So I think it might be difficult on the offensive side of the ball. They actually look pretty good. James Conner has obviously proven himself to be a pretty decent, reliable running back. And you got Big Ben coming back. I don't think he's going to be the same Big Ben that we saw before. He's also really old now. He's 38, I believe. So can he perform at the same level that Tom Brady performed when he was 38? I don't think so. But They I, have some good rod receivers, and you know they have uh, Juju on the offense. And they also, as you said, Eric Ebron is very important for that team. But I don't know. I do think whatever quarterback play he provides is going to be better than anything they got last year. And they were still a very competitive football team on the merits of their defense last season. And, you know, James Conner is just going to consistently grind. He's going to produce for you. So, I, I don't know. I, I I feel like Ben's going to have a bounce back season. I have them going 6-10. and 10, But I think that's also like, like a pretty bad like situation for them. I think that's like, I think they're probably going to go 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. But, yeah. So, they're not going to go 6-10. and 10. Uh, we'll see what happens. But I mean, look, I had them going six and ten. I, I had them losing a lot of games, so we'll see what happens. All right, let's let's finish out the AFC. We're gonna go to the AFC East, and I want to start with Buffalo because they were. Wait, bro, you completely forgot about Baltimore. Oh, you're right. I I forgot about the Madden cover athlete, bro. I, I they're gonna be a great regular season team, right? Because Lamar Jackson's already a top two NFL player, and. The question is, can he adapt to defensive schemes that take away his primary receiving threats a la Tennessee from last playoffs? Because we all know he can run, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes is technically a very good runner, but he utilizes it so situationally. And yeah, like Lamar and Mahomes differ in the sense that Lamar Jackson can put up like a thousand yards running in a season. But is that something that's going to work in the playoffs? Like, he either has to go just completely full Michael Vick, or he's going to start throwing the ball more. And I'm I'm curious to see if they keep this, like, hybrid half-run, half-pass offense with Lamar, or if they kind of shift him more. Because they have so much depth at running back. They have Ingram, they have Mark Ingram, they have Justice Hill, they have Gus Edwards, and then they just drafted J.K. Dobbins, who I think is going to climb up that depth chart. Like, he is explosive from Ohio State. So... I think Greg Roman's created such a dynamic offense with so many pieces that can help out. It's going to be hard to kind of that like they they have the the problem of too many good things. Like I I know they're probably going to go like thirteen and three, twelve and four at worst, and then most likely fourteen and two or something crazy like that. But I I don't know. Like do do you think Lamar kind of needs to change a little how he plays because of what we've seen in the playoffs from him? I think the fate of the Baltimore Ravens rests on the shoulders of their coaching staff 
If I were them, I would employ a very Madden situation. Just choose your playbook depending on your opponent. You know, it might, like, some teams just have one playbook and they're like, okay, whatever. I think if the Ravens adapt their offensive playbook to really suit their opponent, in some games they go super run heavy, some games they go super pass heavy, in some games well, some games they go in between, that's the ideal situation. The perfect thing about the Ravens is they have all the tools on offense to go pass heavy or rush heavy, right? They have the, the deep threat on offense with Marquise Hollywood Brown. They got a reliable midfield pass catcher in Mark Andrews. They got some great pass catching running backs with J.K. Dobbins. They also drafted Devin Duvernay who didn't drop a single pass while at the University of Texas in his senior year. He's going to be really reliable for that team. So I think really the best way for the Ravens to make the playoffs and go deep in the playoffs is during the regular season, adapt your play style. Adapt how much you pass, how much you run, what Lamar Jackson does. Because if he's used to that in, in the regular season, then when the playoff comes, when the playoffs come, no matter what the other team throws against you, you're, you're really used to it. Like, you're used to adapting. Like, even halfway through the game, you're like, yeah, man, this run game isn't working. we got to switch the pass. Like, you can switch stuff through if you're used to it during the regular season. So I think you really need to utilize the regular season. Also, not a big question mark, but, you know, they didn't lose Earl Thomas. They also lost Marshall Yonda to retirement. Yeah. And he's been one of the best guards in the league forever. Shout out to Yonda. But they did lose a couple of pieces. So we'll see what happens. But I I still have faith. I I think they're going to go 15-1. I'm going to make a quick basketball analogy because I love making basketball analogies. I think the Ravens are kind of like any coach bud team in the NBA. They'll have a very high-powered offense. We saw that in 2015 with the Hawks where they went like 64, 65 wins or something, but then just got blown out by the Cavs in the conference finals. It was a sweep, I'm pretty sure. And then this year we saw with the Bucks, like they had a very high-powered offense with the league's best player, Giannis. And... They had a top defense the entire year, and I know the Ravens' defense is going to be great, especially after their draft. But the problem is they they couldn't adapt their play style, and the only reason they could adapt is when Giannis went out with injury. And yeah, you know, I, 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 you're right. I want to see if the Ravens really change their playbook situationally for teams, or if they just keep this spread offense, this hybrid run pass system that they have for Lamar in place. Yeah, they got they got Patrick Queen in the draft, which I thought was a very very good pickup. So. Mm-hmm. Really, really good draft. One of the better drafts, I think. We talked about this earlier. One of the better drafts for the Ravens. But we'll see if they can adapt. All right. Now let's move to the AFC East. I'm sorry, Baltimore. I wanted to talk about Buffalo first. And this presents one of the most interesting teams in the league for me because we know Josh Allen is talented. Like we saw last year, like significant improvement from him. And again, he just has to keep cutting down turnovers. But I think where he needs to work on most aside from that is throwing the deep ball and I think now with Stephon Diggs, he's going to have a huge help in that regard. Like People forget how good Stephon Diggs was in Minnesota. Like They only remember that miracle play in the playoffs against the Saints, but he was just a consistently productive wide receiver, and I think he's going to help Josh Allen out a lot. And yeah, I, th- I think the Bills are just going to be a really, really good team. My issue with the Bills is Josh Allen's accuracy. His accuracy did improve last year, but it was still very, very terrible, especially for like a, a supposedly good quarterback. I don't have that much faith in Josh Allen throwing the ball. I think he can throw the ball, but I think accuracy-wise, it just doesn't make sense. And honestly, the place where you need accuracy the most is is those deep balls when you need to place the ball perfectly so your receiver can catch them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really sure about this Buffalo Bills team. I have them going 10-6. and six. They're super talented. I think they're one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. But I don't think they can live up to the talent they have. Just because on the offensive side of the ball, I don't think they're going to get the wheels churning. Because if they end up making the playoffs, I do think they will end up making the playoffs. I think they're going to be the uh, at least the wildcard team in the AFC, if not win that division. Really close between them and the Patriots, which I'll talk about in a bit. Mm-hmm. But if they end up playing Baltimore... Kansas City, right? Even Indianapolis, it's a for wrap. example. It's a wrap. Yeah, because they can't keep up offensively with Kansas City or Baltimore. These teams are going to score so much on them. You know, because these teams have such... However good Buffalo's defense is, it's not so good. That's that's the thing. Like, I don't think it's going to be a... Like, they're going to score like 35 points and it's going to be a blowout. It's just, if, if Baltimore scores like 21, can you come back yeah. from a deficit like that? And I don't think Buffalo is exactly. one of those teams that can come back from those big deficits. So... You're right. Like we'll we'll see how that plays out. Another team that is, 
I don't know. I, th- I just think Tua is the most interesting part of their team, but it's the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, last year down the stretch, they won a couple of their games going into the end of the season. They won like three of their last five when it looked like they were just going to tank for the first pick. And I like Brian Flores as a head coach. I think he's good. I think Fitzpatrick will win you like five games purely because he just goes crazy and throws for like 400 yards in those games. But I, w- I want to see a full season of Tua. What about you? Next season. Next season. For me, the, the Miami Dolphins are an interesting team because they did really well in the last few games. And I think Brian Flores is a good coach. I mean, when I was doing my predictions, individual matchup-wise, I had Miami losing a lot of games. Had them losing games against Seattle, San Francisco, obviously. Had them losing game against, games against both LA teams. Even had them losing games against the the Chargers. Uh, but And obviously the Chiefs in New England and Buffalo. Uh, but I had them going two and fourteen, but I don't think that's realistic because I think they have a lot more potential. But just as like looking at the individual matchups, I don't see too many more matchups. I don't see more than five games where they could potentially win. There's a few close games, maybe a Denver if Denver doesn't pan out. Maybe uh, I mean I had them winning against New York, uh, one of the times, or I think both of the times. I forget. Uh, but like maybe in Arizona, I don't know. You know, you, like it's just. I it's think really hard. I think they have like the heart of like a five to six win team, but they just have the talent level of a one to two win team. So I think they'll finish somewhere in the middle around like three, four wins. That just seems. Yeah, I don't realistic. know. Just like looking at the matchups, it's hard to say. Like, there's a few games, there's only five games, where they potentially can win. Mm-hmm. And I have them winning two of them. So if they win more, I'm not going to be surprised. But like, I'm not going to be surprised that they're going to win like seven or eight. If games. they I don't it, think. if they start like zero and six, do they switch from Fitzpatrick to Tua? Yeah, it depends on how healthy Tua is and how Tua feels. And maybe they'll switch and they'll put, like... I mean, we saw last last season, like, Josh Rosen went in sometime, but then, like, Fitzpatrick came back in. Like Josh Rosen was released, by the way. I know, I saw, which is crazy. That, dude, I mean, he was such a highly touted quarterback prospect. Yeah, he was supposed to be, like, as high as some... I remember people are making comparisons, like, oh, who are going to draft? Like, you know, who's better, Josh Rosen or Patrick Mahomes? Like, just I mean, so much can change yeah. in such a short time. Also, I think a team that had a very highly touted quarterback that is not going to do well at all. It's the last team in the AFC East, the New York Jets, the premier, not premier, the second team in New York. I think they're going to go two and 14. I think they have a lot of problems offensively. They have a lot of problems defensively. They don't have a very good team. I think Sam Darnold's not a very good quarterback. I did not see him in person, but I saw him play Texas and they barely won that game. Um, I think Le'Veon Bell isn't the same player he was before. Their offensive line isn't good enough. Their defense isn't good enough. They lost Jamal Adams, which, you know, however much Jamal Adams did not, like, publicly hated the Jets front office and the Jets coaching staff. Speaking of which, terrible head coach and Adam Gase. <laughs> um, just overall, I think a disaster of a franchise, man. I think Brashad Perryman is a bright spot. And, like, I know he's, like, dealing with some injury right now, but I think he'll help out Darnold a ton. No, that's the thing. Like, he's dealing with an injury. So, like, you know, the bright spot is not as bright of a spot as it can be, you know? The Jets, are, like, the Jets are going to suffer this year. It's going to be kind of like a dim star instead of like, you know, supernova in the sky. It's just like. I think dim yeah. stars are all you can expect in 2020. That's just the way it's going. But let's let's talk about the last team in this division, which is the New England Patriots. And this is going to be the first year, at least in my lifetime, that Tom Brady is not the starting quarterback for the Patriots. And That's not true. No, no. Like it, since I've started watching football, I didn't come out of the womb okay. like watching football. But that is true. Cam Newton is the most high variance player in the league if he stays healthy. Like this team could either dominate and resemble that 2015 Carolina team that just destroyed the league on their way to a Super Bowl appearance. They went what 15 and one. Yeah, or 14 to one of the two. I, th- I think it was 15 and one. one. I don't think they're going to. I don't think the Patriots are going to be that good just because of personnel all across the board. But I think Cam Newton can make them like an 11 12 win team even in a season where they lose tom brady and you know it's just it's not a rebuilding year it's like a retooling year for new england and i think this is the first season i'm actually going to be excited to watch the patriots play every single game yeah i like the patriots but like not like the patriots but I, i like the patriots move of getting cam newton but i also did watch like all all every single snap that jared stidham ever threw for the patriots which is like 30 minutes of film. So I really wasted all my time doing that now. Um, so thank you, Bill mm-hmm. Belichick. But I think the Patriots are really interesting. I think offensively, Cam Newton's dealt with worse. 
I think that 15-1 and one team that he had, they had a worse receiving core than this Patriots team does. Because I think Julian Edelman is so consistent, right? Yeah. And so, honestly, Cam Newton's done much, much better with the worst receiving core. And the offensive line for New England is not bad at all. It's halfway decent. Running backs, they have James White. So, you know, they should be set. They also have a... Sonia Michelle. Yeah, Sonia Michelle. Really good, too. So, I think offensively, they're not bad. We'll see how much um, Cam, Cam Newton decides to run. Uh, we'll see what Josh McDaniel decides to do. On the defensive side of the ball, personnel-wise, they're not looking too great, but it's Bill Belichick. So, I think the biggest thing is Cam Newton hasn't had a good defense since that 2015 season. You know? Mm-hmm. Even the 2015 season wasn't as great as it could have been, especially in the, in the Super Bowl game against the uh, the Denver Broncos. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, I have decent-ish faith. Uh, right now I have the Patriots at a very respectable 9-7, and seven, but I think I have them losing some games. I have them losing against Houston, against the Rams, against... I have them losing one against Buffalo, um, obviously against Kansas City and San Francisco. But we'll see. I think 9-7 and seven is probably, like, the worst-case scenario for the Patriots with Jared Stidham or with Cam Newton just because I think they have some potential and it's a Bill Belichick coach team so you got to have faith in them yeah I mean I I really want Cam to go back to being that dynamic running threat that he was in his prime years I I guess he's still in his prime like he's still pretty young but for a running quarterback it just differs the the age dynamics are all screwed up when you're doing everything so we'll see how that goes but that wraps up our AFC we're gonna move on to the NFC but first let's take a break and that wraps up another episode of the Locked In Podcast. Stay tuned for an NFC preview coming out very soon, 100% before the first NFC games on Sunday. So stay tuned for that once again. And as always, please follow us on social media. Our Instagram is podcast.lockedin. We have a website, lockedinpod.com. Check those out. Or give us a follow on Instagram. That's where we keep you guys the most updated about our upcoming episodes and upcoming guests. And... A PSA for all the people listening to this podcast. If you decide to have a gender reveal party sometime in your life, please do not bring pyrotechnic devices with you to that party. It'll save us all a lot of trouble, stress, emotional relief. You know, keep keep the flames at home. And, yep, that's all I got for today, man. Stay safe and wash your hands. Wash your hands, people. Peace. Thank mm-hmm. you.